Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Brian Barney, another episode of the podcast here. Um, boy, it's uh, weeks kind of got away from me. It's Friday here, Thursday with Thanksgiving yesterday here, and so um, you know, I want to try to get out a podcast a week, and so um, gosh, this is me just trying to fit it in here. Uh, I had plans. Uh, I had a really good guest lined up, or I still do. Uh, Travis uh, No Whitney, um, man, he's just a diehard public lander and and uh hunts all self-guided and and uh all over the west he's he's based out of idaho there but he's got a really good late season idaho tag and so we've just kind of had a tough time hooking up on our um on the podcast here this week and and uh so i know he's hunting hard and plus he's got a full-time job and a side job and then um just trying to get the get him the right headset and get everything recorded here had a couple technical issues you know we're we're both really good bow hunters but on the technical side of things um you know that's a little bit left to be desired but uh we're gonna get it figured out here and get one recorded but like i say i wanted to make sure that i got out a podcast this week um i think it's important for me to to keep getting these things out once a week and get you guys information and um gosh i just got a message i saw today i got a message on instagram from um this guy uh, giovanni from hawaii um and i never met him before um but he's been listening to the podcast and then he listened to a bunch of the podcasts leading up to this muley hunt where he came from hawaii i didn't even hear which state he was hunting but he he killed a really nice dark horn mule deer with his bow and and thanked me for all the information on the podcast so uh, you know i think we're putting good information out and and getting guys good information for hunting public land so that just means the world to me is to to be able to have a guy you know that listens to the podcast and picked up some good tips and then able to arrow a nice muley um just so awesome so uh congrats to him and and thanks for reaching out to me and letting me know um you know boy that just means the world to me like i say when when people can use this information and and take it to the field with them so that's what we're that's what we're trying to accomplish and what we're here for so um yeah on today's episode i got a few ideas um that i've been thinking about that i want to get podcasts out about but um been writing a couple articles here lately. I got an article and a blog post coming up, um, and I've been talking about next season. You know, all of our hunts are starting to wind down. Where you know maybe we got one hunt left, or or for most guys, you know, zero hunts left as as time's just running out. Gosh, hunting season just comes and goes so quick, doesn't it? Um, you sit and you you prepare and you think about it and you anticipate and wait for season to get here and then it's just like a blink of the eye and it's over you know pretty soon you know for me it's like a antelope season early high country mule deer hunts I prepare so much for those and they mean so much and and they're over and gone before I know it and then I'm I'm into elk season I'm I'm trying to kill a bull and and pretty soon that's done with and then you know rut hunts for muleys and now that's done with and and now just moving in into my late season hunts but uh you know I think um you know we're we're lucky in that we have a a passion in life I think I think the people that are lost in life or the the people that don't have passion or don't have a passion for something and and so it's one of the things that I'm I'm really fortunate that I, that I found you know bow hunting or hunting and and able to just put all my energy into it and and I love working hard at it and thinking about it and theorizing and and uh, it, it just it drives me it drives me to be in good shape drives me to eat healthier and be healthier 
healthier and and uh, you know be a be a better dad and a and a better husband and um, you know not that hunting drives me to do that you know that's my other passion in life but I, I just uh, having passion in life and something you absolutely love to do with with every every fiber of your being you know it's we're so fortunate for that and I know you guys listening are the same way you know or or you wouldn't be out there. Um, listening to podcasts and trying to get better and trying to gather information. So it's what we love to do and it's our passion. And they, you know, as we move into now, you know, we're getting done with hunting season and moving into the off season. And, and, uh, you know, for, for us hardcore bow hunters that want to get better and continue to improve, you know, there really isn't an off season, you know, now we're just moving into, you know, our tag season and, and, and preparation season as, as we start working hard towards our goals for next year. And, and this is really the time where we can improve on our skill set to come into next season, you know, being a better version of ourselves, more prepared, uh, uh, better research, um, you know, shooting better, better physical fitness. And, and then also, you know, a, a big thing for me is having the time. It's like if you, if you have the time to hunt, you know, you can do a lot with it. And so it's just to continually try to structure my life to be able to do what I love to do, you know, more and more, try to, try to make more time. And, I, you know, I'm, I, I get a ton of vacation time and I shouldn't, I shouldn't, and I'm not complaining, but I shouldn't be complaining. I, I do get a ton of vacation time and take a ton of adventure hunts and I, I'm more fortunate than most, but, but that doesn't stop me from, from driving and trying to get, you know, more time doing what I love to do and, and be able to focus on what I love to do more. And I, you know, I think that's all of our goal. It's, it's what makes you the happiest in life and you want to figure out how to do it as much as you possibly can. Yeah. You get one chance in this world and, um, you know, if you could do what you love to do as, as much as you could, you know, that's, that's, that's our goal, you know, and of course we still have, you know, work obligations and, and family that we need to take care of and make sure we're there. And, and, um, but, but hunting is right up there with it, at least for me, I'm always trying to think, you know, I think if I could have the entire season off, if I could structure my life that way, where I work really hard and I save all my pennies and, you know, I've worked hard to get myself in a good financial position in this, where I, you know, I don't make a ton of money or anything like that but I've got myself totally out of debt and and I've worked hard uh, building and selling these houses to be able to get ahead to where I don't have a high mortgage payment so I've I've kind of structured my life where I just don't need a whole bunch of money per month and so um you know, for me, boy, if I could, if I could work really hard and then come hunting season, or at least, you know, the, the big chunks of hunting season, if I could take off more time and, you know, hunt for a handful of days or a week at a time and then come back and spend time with my family and get ready for the next adventure. I mean, that's like a dream world for me. So, so that's a big part, you know, of what I'm trying to do too, is just structure my life to give myself as much time, you know, in the field as I can. But, um, Anyways, on today's podcast, I want to talk about that as just this off season and how you should be spending your time, or at least how I how I spend my time to continually improve on my skill set. So, like I say, I come into next season and and have a, a better skill set, set my goals for next year. I mean. For me, I mean, the, the motivation never stops. I never want to rest on, you know, what I've accomplished in the past and, and animals I've harvested in the past. I mean, I want to set my goals high for next year and, and then work really hard to accomplish them. And, 
I really want some some uh, next level mind blowing trophies. You know, next year I, I know I have the skills and I know I'm going to work hard in the off season and and uh, I want to come into next year and. And, and set my goals. I'd like to hunt Colorado again next year. And the last buck I killed in there went 200 inches. And I've got a couple that, that go that big or a, a few that go that big, but I, I want to climb the mountain and do it all over again. I'm, I'm ready to put in the work and I'm, I'm ready to work really hard and, and I'm ready to hold off on, on lesser bucks. And if I have to eat a tag to, to be able to have a chance at one of those bigger bucks, then so be it. I'm, I'm going to do it. And, you know, I had new goals this year with the, with some of my, my filmed hunt and having a camera guy and wanting to be successful there and show Eastman's I could be successful but I mean I want to set my goals high and whether I'm I'm filmed hunt or a solo hunt or whatever I'm going on next year I want to hold to my goals and I want to try to harvest those those older next level deer because I I know it's possible for me I've accomplished it before you know I've just got to set my mind to it work hard at it and, and then accomplish it again you know and that and then and then also, you know, it's always a, a muley for me. I, I love that high country muley hunting. It just, um, there's something about that, that gnarly country and the back country and you're living at high elevations, whether it's 10,000 foot or 12,000 foot. And, and it's just so extreme by nature and you get away from a lot of the pressure and then trying to arrow one of those wily bucks back in there. And I, and I just love mule deer and they look so big in the velvet. And so those early season mule deer, you know, that my goals always center around that or seem to, you know, but, uh, you know, along with that, I also, you know, I want to get better at this late season game. And I, I told you guys before, uh, but I'm going to hunt Montana next year. I got some good spots that are panning out and I just got to hold out for those older age class bucks and then figure more time. You know, I got to have more time afield and, you know, I, I doubt next year I'm going to be able to take the entire season, but I do want to structure my life and, and save some vacation time for, for next rut hunt to, to where I've got enough time to be picky out there. And, and then I, I'm also going to do a late season hunt in Idaho. Um, I, I've been fortunate. A lot of these Western States, I've, I've been to, um, quite a few of these Western States and been successful. Idaho is the one holdout for me. And, uh, so, so I'm pumped to finally embark on an Idaho adventure and try to be successful down there. And I, you know, early season is always a good season for us bow hunters, but I want to go down there late season. I've got a bunch of good early season states. And, and if I don't draw an early season state, then, then Idaho, you know, I may try to do something like that. But my plan is to hunt Idaho during the rut. Um, so I, so I want to focus some energy on that. And then, um, you know, I'm, I'm pumped. I got this new Mexico late season tag here in January. I really want to make good on that opportunity, but I, I've also been implying for these, uh, late season Ibex tags down there in New Mexico. They just live in the most rugged, gnarly country. And that happens in January. So, you know, along with these planned hunts, I also have, you know, these other, you know, uh, far out dream hunts that, you know, maybe I'll get lucky one of these years on an Ibex. Ibex tag or a desert sheep tag or you know I'm, I'm dang near max points here in Montana on bighorn sheep and, and moose so maybe I'll draw one of those tags as well um, but 
but I just, um, like I say, I just, my motivation is there. I, um, you know, the season wasn't even over and I, I started working out again and getting in my runs and my lifting. And, um, I'm just constantly driven to do better and be better and, and spend more time. And, and, uh, I love when you put so much hard work and so much effort into something and then you're successful at it. I mean, that accomplishment, it, it sticks with you, you know, forever, but it, you know, it, it, uh, man, I, there's, there's no feelings like that in life for me. I mean, I just, I love working hard at something and then having it pay off and, and being successful. So I just, I just want to continue the theme for next year and just show what I can accomplish and what I can do and, and not so much to other people as, as more so to myself again, too. Um, you know, know I can put in the work and, and, uh, come out on top. And like I was saying, the high country mule deer is my goal, but man, I, I really want another big bull with my bow and I I've killed some, some really nice six points with my bow. Um, and, and I've been successful year after year and, and elk is one of those things. It really makes a difference in our family. When I get an elk, our meat lasts the entire year. Um, you know, if I don't, it seems like it takes three deer to equal one elk. And so, um, I, I can't even remember the last time I didn't fill my elk tag with my bow. I've gone quite a few years in a row here, but there was one year of, a few years back I didn't kill a, a decent six. But I I just like to set my goals a touch higher as well, and and uh, really look for one of those next level, you know, three fifty plus bulls with my, with my bow. And I know I can accomplish it. Again, it's just having the time and and uh, getting the preparation in there, and and then you know executing when I get the chance. So. Um, you know, that's another one of my goals, but so there's no lack of motivation on my side. I, I'm just ready to put in the work and, and ready to start planning out my season for next year and, and, uh, ready to get going on it. So, um, it always starts like right now we're into tag season and, and figuring out where you're going to apply and what hunts you're going to do. You know, it's different for everybody. Everybody's got their different strategies. Um, so for for me, I like to plan on on hunts that I can um, hunts that I can draw often, or hunts that I can draw with not too many points. Because I I love to hunt, and I figure you know the more experience I get, you know the the more successful I'm going to be. And I don't need some hard to draw 10, 12 point tag to be successful on a giant muley or giant bull. You know, I just want the skill set to be able to go into these units and a lot of general units and. Uh, easy to draw units, over the counter units, they hold giant trophies in there. It's just about having the knowledge base to go in there and, and kill these trophies. And so, you know, my strategy is a little bit different than most guys. I look for easy to draw tags and and I look to go in there and hunt, but I, I do want good opportunity in these tags. So what I start to do is I start to, um, during this application season, I start to do my research on different states and, and, you know, I, I've hunted and been successful in almost every Western state out there. Like I say, Idaho is one of my last holdouts. Um, but, but I just start to, I think of a state I want to hunt and then I start to dissect it and I start to, um, you know, I start to look at, at what seasons they offer, what hunt dates they offer, because that'll kind of determine when I can hunt it and, and when I can plan it into which season. So I kind of look what's available for their archery seasons and, and what their hunt dates are. And then, um, you know, I, I definitely look on like the Eastman's MRS section. Um, they just compile a bunch of data in there and, and, uh, you can go through and see how many tags they give, how many guys are successful, what the odds 
odds are of drawing. You can, you know, a lot of them you can see how many guys were successful or successful on four point plus bucks or better, or six point bulls or better. Um, you can look at uh, uh, bull to cow ratios, uh, buck to doe ratios. I mean, it's just filled with information that you can pile over the pages, uh, uh, compile information throughout the pages of that MRS. And, um, you know, and they also have the MRS book, which um, the Eastman sent me last year, which is just great. It's got it all compiled, the year's information in one book. So that's just a great thing they're doing in there. And, and uh, you know, almost every hunt that I've gone off the MRS and I I double check all information and then I'll go see it in the field and it's it's all their information is good information and I've never known them to mislead me on anything or get down to a unit or uh, and, and not see what I'm expecting to see. It, it just seems like it's really good information to go off of and so I use that MRS and then um uh, you can also compile a bunch of a bunch more information, you know, on um, state agencies' uh, websites. You know, you go on, you know, Idaho Fish and Game, or you go on, you know, Utah Fish and Game, and then you look on there, and they'll compile a bunch more on there, just a bunch more information. And what I do is I just start a folder prefer for the state I plan to hunt, and start taking notes in there, and and just start writing down the information. Um, the other thing I'll do is I'll go into Boone and Crockett and Pope and Young, and they'll tell you which counties big ones were shot in, how many numbers of which ones were were shot in, and so you know you can start on like a county map and you can start to write numbers of Pope and Young trophies, Boone and Crockett trophies, non-typical, typical, the whole deal, and and I just start to write down information on the county map and notes, and and you start to get a feel for for what tags are going to be good. Oh, that's another thing I do is even though you know. I'm I'm archery only um I'll look at what the rifle guys are trying to draw and a lot of times you know the sought after tags you know rifle guys it may take seven eight nine points to draw but a bow tag will only cost you two points to draw and so you know I'll look at those tags as well I'll look at rifle tags I'll see what tags guys are going after um, you know, super popular units or, or really good units. I'll look on the borders of those units, you know, like uh, Utah, the Ponsagon, or you know, just these world famous units that we've all heard about. We'll look at some of the bordering units and see how the odds are in the bordering units. Um, but I just start to compile all this information about the state and I start to kind of narrow down, you know, the good counties, the, 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 the best counties and, and then, you know, good counties and then, and then ones that are poor that I, that I don't want to go in. And, and in my strategy, you know, some guys are different. Like I know, um, who, uh, like, uh, Jason Carter, Ridge Reaper, you guys have probably seen that show. That guy kills some monster deer and, and monster bulls, and he's really good at what he does. But his theory is different from mine. Um, he likes to go in, in low uh, density, low populations of animals because there's less pressure, and then find the old ones in there. Um, you know, I don't take that approach a lot. With a bow and arrow, I need a lot of opportunity. And so, you know, I want to go into high population areas and then I want to sort through those high populations and find where the older age class is. And that's always kind of been my approach. And that way, you know, I'm always seeing critters. And, and like a lot of places, 
you know, you may go in there and think there's not a big buck living in there, but it'll surprise you. You just got to find those, those basins that guys aren't getting into, those drainages where guys aren't at, and pretty soon you'll start to find those five and six and seven-year-old mule deer. And once they're five, six, seven, they start to grow big racks. I mean, even if, you know, the genetics aren't there to grow a 200-inch rack, you know, 185-inch deer with Coke can mass will get anybody excited. Um, so, so I start, I look for high density places and, and I, I just don't hunt many low density places. And I, and I, it's probably something where I need to kind of, um, I, I need to mix a couple of those hunts with, with my high density areas, but you know, my system has just always worked for me to go into high density areas and look for the older age class. Um, I'm sure there are opportunities in the, in the lower animal density spots, you know, but I, I just, I like to see animals. I like to get excited and I like to know they're there and then like to look for the older age class. So that's kind of my theory on it. But like I say, there's, there's multiple ways to kill a big buck and mine's not the only way. That's just what I choose. Um, but I, I start to look through, I'll compile all this information and figure out, you know, which counties are the best. And then, you know, with the counties, then you've got to correlate, you know, the hunting units to be able to tell which hunting units sit in the good counties and, and so on and kind of break it down that way. Um, but once I start to narrow it down, then I start to get on maps and Google Earth and I start to look how the mountain ranges lay out. And, for, you know, for and everybody's different what they like to hunt, um, you know, for my early season um, I, I love hunting the, the high mountain ranges, you know, the biggest mountain ranges they have to offer. That's where I want to be hunting. You know, for me that, that backcountry hunting, it takes a grit and a toughness to be able to get back and hunt those places. And, and it takes, you know, managing your, your water day after day and your food and carrying everything on your back. And it, it's not easy. Not everybody can do it. You have to train for it you have to be prepared for it. And even then that country can, can chew you up and spit you out. You know, it's just not gnarly, rugged, rough country. And so I kind of use that gnarly, rough and rugged country to get away from other guys. And then, and then also I use it to, to where these bucks have grown up and, and are mature. And so for me, that high country stuff, I'm looking for big mountain ranges. So early season mule deer, big mountain ranges, you know, if I'm looking for antelope areas, uh, I'm not, I'm looking for public land, you know, down off the, the lowlands and in the, um, the valley floors and in, um, you know, I really like it in broken open country, um, but yeah, mule deer early. I always look up high, um, for elk season. It just differs for me. I just look for good spots that produce big bulls and all, you know, I love hunting the mountains for elk. Um, it, it's where you can get away from people. They're lower pressure to elk. They call in better. They call more, um, you know, and if there's good populations and they grow big ones, well, that's where I'll be at. Um, you know, I'll also look and look for, um, you know, a breaky country for, excuse me, I look for, for, uh, uh, breaky country for bulls as well. You know, if there's a lot of elk in there and it's, it's breaks or it's, uh, uh, coolies or something like that, or maybe the foothills of the mountains, I'll, I'll hunt there. And so, you know, elk, I'll kind of look all over. I'm just looking for good populations and I'm looking where bulls can grow up big. I've been, I've been hunting bulls for a lot of years now. Um, 20 plus years in Montana, see am I that old uh, maybe 18 plus years in Montana I'm giving myself a few years but um you know and before that I hunted uh, elk in Washington but um you know I've been successful on a lot of different bulls you know way back in the day when I used to hunt with a rifle and killed some with a bow and then you know the last 10 years has been bow only where I've hunted bulls but 
I also hunted sheds for a lot of years, and I, I loved hunting sheds. I really got hooked on that. But it, it kind of almost root me on, on elk hunting because I would pick such giant sheds. I would find, you know, 370, 380 sheds, you know, and a 320 shed would be a small one. Well, a 320 bull is a heck of a bull, and especially with my bow. But I was starting to get almost ruined on, on quality of, of elk because if he wasn't, you know, a great big giant one, it's like I wasn't as happy with him. And so I kind of had to reset my mind, and I... I just hunt horns and I'd, I'd pick up a big set and I said, man, I'd love to kill something like this with my bow. And, and finally, I just made the decision that, you know, I, I want to put all my effort into bow hunting and I, I will kill one with like, like that with my bow. And so, you know, I kind of, you know, I'll still horn hunt and get out a few days, but, but I don't spend the whole season obsessing over it and thinking about it like I used to. And not that it's a bad thing. And some guys can hunt that season and then hunt just as hard for bow season. But, but for me... I wanted to put all my effort into archery hunting. I wanted to kill these giant bucks and these giant bulls with my with my bow, and I wanted to work hard at it and accomplish my goals. And so for me, it was a year-round quest where, not that I can't have other hobbies, but it's tough to think about something else for three, four, or five months and take vacation time and go all over trying to hunt horns and then think I'm putting all my effort into bow season. So I kind of got away from it. We're all still take some walks and get some exercise, but I just kind of save my time for bow hunting now, and I really want to kill one with my bow um but but so for bulls you know not that I'm not happy with a smaller bull I I am and I've kind of reset my goals and you know I know what a good bull is and I know what I'm happy with and nowadays I you know I usually try to shoot for you know a 320 bull or somewhere right in there and I'm psyched I'm thrilled when I can kill a bull like that and and just like I was telling you guys I want to up the ante and and go for a bigger bull but when I'm looking for bull units I'm looking for where the big ones come from you know I haven't killed a five point and and I, it's been probably 15 years or, or more since I've killed a five point and not that a five point is a bad bull, but you kind of work your way up the scale. You know, you, you start off by killing any legal bull and then you start off by, and then next is branch antler bulls. And then after that, you kind of graduate into mature six point bulls. And, and then, you know, further down the scale is when you start shooting for, for even bigger six point bulls and more mature ones. And I, I've just got to the place where, you know, a, a five point anymore just doesn't do it for me. And so I, I want to look for, you know, a mature big bull if I'm going to shoot one. Um, so, so I look for units that produce this. I look for units that produce mature bulls when I'm looking for elk units and in a place where I've got the opportunity, you know, I want the opportunity at a 350 plus or I'd, gosh, I mean, once in my life, not even once in my life. I mean, I, I'd love to do it multiple times, but I want to chase those bigger ones, those, those 360, 370, 380 bulls. You know, that's what I want. I want opportunities at those and you're, you're not always going to kill them, but at least have a chance at them. So, so that's what I'm looking for when I'm looking for elk units. So it's really broad for me and elk units, but I, I look for quality and I look for numbers and wherever the terrain leads me, that's where I'll hunt. Um, and then, you know, after that season, I, I start to get into to rut hunting muleys and I'll hunt the mountains for rut muleys. They can grow some big ones and they'll come down, you know, on the, on the side hills and on the winter range and you can get on some really good bucks that way. You know, I also like places with high populations like I was talking to you guys about earlier, like eastern Montana is just kind of broken open country with a lot of coolies and canyons and broken timber. I love hunting that country for muleys during the rut. Um, but again, I 
look for high populations. I look for opportunity, and wherever that takes me, that's where I'll hunt. You know, I'm I'm not afraid to go anywhere during that season. I just want to go have the chance at good ones. You know, big heavy deer. Um, and, and then into the late season, I've really got into this coos deer hunting lately, and I'm going to do an episode about coos deer hunting because it's such a great adventure hunt, and it's January, it's warm down in Arizona, it's over the counter, you know, you don't have any guys out there. I mean, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot of hardcore coos guys out there, but where I'm hunting in the units that I am in, I barely see anybody. Um, so I've just fallen in love with this, and I, you know, I'm a little bit heartbroken this year that I can't hunt coos because uh, I got that late season New Mexico tag but um I'll be back next year I'm gonna be hunting coos or who knows maybe even this year I'll I'll get lucky in New Mexico and kill a buck in the first two three days and I'll shoot over to Arizona and hunt for a few days for coos deer I'll I'll bite the bullet and buy the $350 tag whatever it is down there and and go hunt coos for a handful of days because I've already taken the days off so um you know I may get a chance to that I doubt it I think it's going to be a tough hunt in New Mexico and focus all my energy on a good muley but eh, that thought is in the back of my head but uh, I just love hunting coos deer late, warm and nice down there. And they're, they're such a challenge. They improve on your spot and stalking skills so much. It just makes you better. And, and that's a big part of, you know, why I've become the hunter I am is, is just the experience. I, I learn from all my experiences, failed stocks, chances, encounters. I try to learn from all that every year, and and I think that's the reason why why I've gotten as good as I have. Is I just spend a lot of time in the field. I mean, you know, with bear season in the spring, where I hunt for two, three months in the spring for bears spot and stock with my bow. Um, and, and then, you know, we go into these seasons where I'm hunting from, you know, August, September, October, November, you know, December, I usually mix in a hunt and then January. I mean, I'm, I'm hunting dang near eight months out of the year. I know I'm hunting over a hundred days a year. And I think this is what set, set me apart from other guys is, it, it's just so much experience in the field. And, and, um, and I, and I learn from that and I get better from it. Um, so I, I think that's a big part, and I know we all can't hunt that many days, and, and, you know, we've all got jobs, we've all got families, but, you know, it's about making the most of the days you do have, and I think the more encounters you get, um, the more stocks you get, close calls, the the more draw, the more uh, shots you get, the, the better you improve at those skills, and the better you are at closing the deal, then the higher you can set your goals and set your standards for, for years to come, and, and that's kind of where I'm at now, you know, I had a... Um, you know, I, I think I, I learn from my successes and I'm happy and those fulfill me throughout the year. And that's really what I'm working towards. But I think I learn more, you know, from, from my failures than I do my successes. When I fail on a hunt and I come back empty handed, I, I dissect it and figure out what went wrong and what I could have done different, where I could have pushed harder, where I could have gone, you know, and I, I, those, those failures drive me. And so, you know, this year I, I had a, uh, two misses on elk and a and a miss on a deer and, and you know it's it's those misses that are going to drive me to get get better here in this off season I think about those you know almost more than I think about my successes and not to uh, you know not not that I'm not proud of my successes and proud of my execution on the, those animals I am and I and I do I think about those just as much I really do but it's those failures that drive me more than my successes and I I just want to become better and want to do better and set my goals higher and know I can execute um 
But I start to kind of break down those units and figure out, you know, where I want to hunt, what states I want to hunt, you know, and I figure out the tags that I have a good chance of drawing. And I I never want to get a couple tags in the same time period, Um, you know, at least not that are in the same exact time period where I can't put all my effort into a state. And I've done that before where I've drawn Wyoming and Colorado and their, their openers are real close to each other and it's the same season. And it was just tough for me to focus in Colorado knowing that I had to get to Wyoming, you know, and hunt there. And so, you know, I ended up cutting the short, cutting short on the hunt in Colorado. I hunted eight days in there, but I had a couple more days of vacation or three more days of vacation and there was really good bucks in there and I was dialed on it. I had one jump my string the last day that was a giant 200 inch deer and, um, yeah, I crawled into 55 or 60 yards, somewhere right in there. It was a gimme shot for me and he was in his bed and I could see his horns and, and he stood up and he kind of fed towards me and just feeding, had no idea I was there broadside. And I, I was in the shade of this little group of trees. And so I drew back and I, I executed a perfect shot. And as that shot broke, um, that, that buck just jumped my string and he wheeled and turned and that arrow ended up missing by the front of him and, and never touching him. Oh man, it just killed me when you work that long and that hard, you know, to get an opportunity and then he jumps your string and, you know, I almost let the emotions get the best of me where I, where I kind of gave into it and thought, God, I'd work this hard for this opportunity. You know, I got to get to Wyoming. And so, you know, I bailed out of Colorado, you know, after that miss, that was, I hiked out, I think that day. And I, I just kind of let it get the better of me, you know, and, and knew I had Wyoming coming up and I had scouted Wyoming really hard. And then, and then you get in Wyoming and it was tough in Wyoming. Uh, the bucks had changed to secondary living and, and, uh, you know, the, the bucks I had scouted where I had looked over hundreds of bucks, all of a sudden they weren't there. And, and I had to kind of adapt and evolve and overcome where I was hunting down lower. And I, I finally found the bucks and, and, uh, man, I had a, a close opportunity on this giant one with these stickers where I had them a hundred yards down below me bedded under the cliffs and I couldn't get any closer and tried to play him, you know, where he was going to come out and feed that night and ended up catching my wind. Cause I was in there, you know, in the evening when I should have pulled out of there with my thermals coming down at him. And just, a, just a mistake you learn from, you almost sometimes get too aggressive or want it too bad. Um, but I did end up arrowing, you know, one of my nicest hard horn bucks. Um, he had scraped all his velvet and, uh, just one of those deals. I think it was like day seven or eight, which would be like day 16 of hunting mule deer in Wyoming. I, I glassed over and spotted this hard horn buck and he was feeding on a little avalanche shoot and it was in the, you know, uh, kind of like late afternoon, early evening. And it was like, man, can I make it to him? And it was touch and go. I thought I can make it to him and come over that ridge and he's going to be right there. You know, the wind's pulling out that draw will be good. And I, I, I mean, I ran dang near the whole way there, um, dropped, I left all my stuff at camp. All I took was my bow, you know, and went light. Of course I had a knife and my headlamp and a couple things in my pockets, but then I jogged the whole way and I'm up on, you know, 10,000 foot peaks on, on rock slides and everything else. But I ran and was able to get all the way around that buck and then come over the top and then just execute a perfect shot on that buck and and uh, uh it, he he ran down and i knew it made a good hit ended up double lunging him and 
And uh, God, he's just this great hard horn, dark, heavy box, stickers both sides, you know, 191 inch deer or something like that. It's just awesome to accomplish it. But but my point is, is that, you know, I, you know, I, I don't want to get two of those really quality hunts at the same time frame. You know, in, in hindsight, you know, I should have hunted Colorado that year and planned to hunt Wyoming the next year. And that way I could put all my focus on that hunt during that time period. So, but that's, that's the only point I'm trying to make is when you're applying for tags, I try to see what I have the best odds of drawing. And then I try to buy points in other places and plan ahead for the next years to come. Um, so like like this year, I'm going to be uh, applying for Nevada early. Nevada has an August 10th opener, so I can do that that um, August 10th in there, squeeze a hunt end. Um, you know, I think I'm going to get back up with my buddy Chase up in Alaska. I think this year we're just going to do a more inexpensive caribou hunt, do it off that hall road where we can kind of camp off the truck. Um, uh, so we're going to go hunt for caribou up there you know, I'm not sure when I'm going to work that in either around August 1st or towards the end of August and then applying for a September 1st Colorado or actually it opens, uh, the last Saturday in August. So it's usually around, I don't know, the 27th or the 29th of August, you know, that, that tag will open up. Um, so already you can, <laughs> I just said, don't overbook yourself. And I already just said three hunts that I have going on in August, but, um, I'll work out the details and make sure I can give it enough days in those hunts. And I, I know those units really well, you know, I've hunted all those units, um, you know, besides the caribou. And so, you know, I know where I'm headed. I know where bucks will be and I know I can give myself enough days to be successful in there. But, um, so my early season approach, that's what I'm going to be applying for. I'm going to be applying for Nevada and Colorado, which I both, whether I have good chances of drawing and I may only draw one of those, but if I do draw both, then I'll figure out how to hunt them both. Um, if I only draw one, then I'll be able to put, you know, more time and more effort into that hunt and, you know, plan a 12 days there, whatever it takes. You guys always ask me, well, how many days are you going on that hunt? And it's like, well, whenever it takes, I'll come home when I kill a buck, you know, and that, you know, of course season can run out and you can run out of time and, and you start, uh, running the ragged edge pretty quick. I mean, once you start to get past day seven, day eight, uh, after you get past day 10, you know, you're just not hunting as effectively and you're wore down and beat up you've probably lost 10 or 12 pounds. And so, um, just about training and getting myself right. Um, you know, you, you got eight, 10 good quality days. And then after that, you know, I always like to figure, you know, a handful of backup days in case I don't have my buck. And by then you should have a pretty good feel for the unit or the area you're hunting where the bucks are, where, you know, then you can be successful. But, um, so I'll apply for those for early season. And then we move into elk. Um, Elk, I'll, I'll apply in Arizona, and I always get a, a Montana tag general season, and then I'll apply for a, a couple special permits like the one I had this year uh, for elk here in Montana. I'll apply for those. Um, hunt elk really hard, and then we'll move into uh, late season rut hunts. I'm going to hunt my Montana general season tag again. I'll be applying for special hunts, and I max points on deer so in Montana for special hunts. So I'm hoping I can draw one of those. Looking at hunting Idaho. Um, 
you know, and then after that, we'll move into late season where, uh, you know, I, I really want to hunt coos again next year, but we'll see how this late season New Mexico goes. I've hunted it before and been really successful down there, and, and I love chasing big muleys. So, um, you know, I may be applying for that tag as well again. And then, you know, I always have a bunch of, not a bunch, but a, a handful of once-in-a-lifetime tags I apply for, desert sheep, and I apply for um, uh, ibex down in New Mexico, those wild-range ibex in the Floridian Mountains just looks like an awesome hunt to me um and then you know of course apply for sheep and moose here in montana so we'll see what we draw there and and uh and, and then i uh, probably even put in for a couple once in a lifetime muley tags you know just those those really tough to draw ones like out of utah and in some of those places that just have giant bucks there and, and then i'll be buying points in other states and get ready for for future seasons um so that's how i kind of break up my tags um, you know, is, is just figuring out the unit I want to apply in, figuring out where I got a good chance to draw. And then you can kind of see, you know, okay, it should take me two points to draw this, or it'll take me four points to draw this. And you can kind of save up those points and then do, you know, a couple over the counter tags, like my Montana over the counter tags that, that I know I always have those tags. And so those are a backup for me. And, and even if I wasn't to draw an early season Montana mule deer tag, well, I've got some great early season Montana hunts that I could go on. And then I can hunt Idaho during the rut and so I can kind of shift and move around my hunts and make it work to where you know I am hunting that four five six months you know a big game season which is which is just awesome that's a perfect scenario for me as I I break up those hunts you know throughout the season and so I've got enough time to to focus and have enough days to to get out there and go hunt those hunts and and uh, so that's kind of my my plan for for next season and so I think it's just important that you you start doing the research now and figure out what tags you want to put in for that you got a good chance of getting and then figure out you know what are your dream hunts and and I just kind of add my dream hunts in on the other ones and I figure if I draw one of those tags you know I'm just going to put all my effort into it and if I've you know if I've got to give up a mule deer tag somewhere a mule deer hunt somewhere and, and eat the cost of that because I drew some once in a lifetime sheep tags so be it you know that's that's a small price to pay pay for me um but I just never I never seem to you know these these dream tags are so tough to draw um you know realistically you just don't draw them all the time and so you've got to have kind of these hunts you count on and the -the over-the-counter hunts that you kind of plan out your year and then if you're lucky enough to get one of those once-in-a-lifetime tags you know you just kind of work it into your schedule or or make things work out or give up a hunt somewhere else at least that's the way I look at it um but but I, I think it's like I say, you, you start looking at that and then, you know, you start looking at maps and, and Google Earth and give yourself some ideas of where you're hunt, where, where you'll hunt, you know, if you do draw that tag. And and what that does is it just gives me confidence in a unit that I'll hunt. So if I'm looking at a spot in Wyoming and I'm looking at a unit I want to draw or a mountain range, you know, I'll start looking through that mountain range and I'll start looking for spots that I think will be good hunting and and it's so tough, you know, guys ask me, well, what do you look for on Google Earth? And, and you know, I've, I've got some things I look for, but it's just not so cut and dry as, as you look and you just know on Google Earth it's a good spot. It just comes from years worth of use, you know, is where you, you've just hunted in all these different spots and you've, you've looked at Google Earth on all these different basins and drainages and you come up with theories of where you think will be good. And, um, you know, of course, you're always looking for trails, 
you know, off your trails to get you into country and then where you can hunt off trails, spots that are really tough to see and tough to glass to. You know, if a guy can glass it from a road, there probably isn't going to be a whole lot in there because everybody can stick a scope out their window and, and look up at a drainage or a basin and see if there's a buck in there. And so I kind of look for these spots. You know, trailheads are another magnet for guys. There's so many guys that park at trailheads and, and then leave from the trails. And sometimes that's your only option to access country. But how can you get off those trails? How can you get on the backside of the mountain range where there is no trail or, um, you know, trails are just, they're the highways through the backcountry, and you use them that way to cover miles because you can get a long ways or you can get far off that trailhead. And, you know, maybe that's your angle at it is that you're going to put more miles in between you and the next guy. You know, I know one buck I killed in Nevada, I parked at a trailhead where there was over a hundred rigs parked there with guys bow hunting. And I was able to do 20 some miles back, find where the mature bucks were living. And I, you know, I was camping in a spot where there's 10 miles of ridgeline where there's no water. Um, you got to drop down. 2,000 feet to water. Well, it's just too tough for guys. And so pretty soon I was able to unlock these basins and these drainages that hold the more mature deer. And then I was able to kill a nice one back there. And what a brutal pack out, but that, you know, part of the reason why you train so hard, I had 11 hours to get that buck out of there, 20 some miles to the top of two different 11,000 foot peaks. It took absolutely everything I had. Um, but you know, your body's capable of it and all that training throughout the off season had myself prepared for it. 20 miles back, I killed a really nice, I think he was like a mid one seventies, but heavy five, six year old deer and then packed him all the way out of there. And, and, uh, the, sometimes the more you put into these hunts, the more they mean to you. And so, you know, putting all that effort into that, that spot. And I'd never been there before 20 some miles back, got away from a hundred different guys, find these drainages, you know, and then, and then finally kill a buck in the end and pack them out of there. It, it meant the world to me. I mean, it's one of my greatest bow hunting achievements. You know, I, I just, I absolutely love coming out on top like that in a, in on a tough hunt. Um, but, but you know, you, you, you just, um, you, you look for these spots on Google Earth and, uh, you know, I can't tell you, you know, south facing, north facing, east facing, west facing, you know, they, I find bucks on all facing slopes. So, you know, you just have to dissect country and I always look for feeding features. I look for green drainages or basins. I look for places away from pressure. Um, you know, I look for places that you can't see easy. Um, you know, for mule deer high country, I, I look to get away from water because guys can't survive very long without water, but deer can, they get most of their moisture from, from their feed. Um, you know, the dew off the grasses and whatnot. And then for elk, you know, you look for water, but you look for, you know, secret little springs or, or drainages or draws where they can water because elk will need to water daily. Um, so you look for water during elk and you look for the lack of water during deer, uh, for deer. Um, but you just, the more you look at these spots and the more you theorize and you think, oh, this spot will be good or that spot will be good. And then you go in there and you go check it out. Um, you go scout it early in the season or you go there during hunting season and you just see how your theories pan out. You know, what did I see in there? And then, and that's where I really learn off Google earth is once I'd been into a mountain range and I said, you know, gosh, this South face or Southeast face or had deer on it and they were bedding on the Northwest or whatever it is, you know, where they like to feed in this little bold basin up in here. Um, 
whatever characteristics you see there, wherever characteristics lead to you finding deer, then you transpose that into different spots and you go, okay, what spot looks like that in this mountain range? And you start going, okay, there's another spot that looks exactly like that other spot and it's tougher to get to. And then you go in there and you find deer. And so it's all this just um, kind of learning as you go, learning what spots you like and, and where deer are. And of course, you know, there's some rules to it as you, like I was saying, getting away from pressure, away from trails, away from roads, you know, whatever it is. Um, but once you can start to, to put those real theories, um, into play and find deer and then transpose that information into that mountain range, or, you know, maybe even transpose it to another mountain range you hunt. And, and it's this experience that, that gives us this, this eye to be able to know what we're looking at at Google Earth because we're all looking at the same image and theorizing where things will be and, you know, where's the best cover and where's the, you know, so it, it's just kind of learning through your experiences um, uh, and through your theories, you know, you come up with these theories and, and every year, you know, whatever unit I'm hunting, you know, even if it's a unit I've hunted before, I'm trying to expand and find more areas. Where can I go to next? Where's the next spot over? And I, I, you know, I try to have a bunch of backup plans circled. If it's a fresh unit I've never been to, you know, I, I may have five spots. I may have 10 spots circled that I'm going to go check out. And, and not all of them are going to pan out. Sometimes you're going to get in a spot that looked really good off Google Earth and it's away from pressure and you're going to get in there and there's not going to be a deer, not going to be an elk in there. It's just the way it goes. You just learn from it, but you just go, okay, well, that's, that spot's crossed off. I looked at it a morning and an evening. I didn't see what I was after. I'm going to the next spot and the next spot. And so you just kind of get these theories and these spots circled on your on your map that you want to check out. And then you you go check them out and, and see how it pans out and then transpose information. And, and that's where like those summer scouting trips are so important to finding big critters, you know, seeing what's actually living in there, you know, being able to cross off those spots or highlight those spots that are good and, and knowing they're good. It's not just a theory anymore. You, you've put that, you know, in, into practical um, you, you know, you've actually gone and looked at it and you know that, okay, game animals like this spot or, okay, I didn't see much in there, not much sign. I don't think this spot's going to pan out. Um, but you're able to kind of proof your spots that way. Um, but you know, right now as we're in that off season, now's the time, you know, when you're picking a unit is to go through it and, and pick different spots that you're going to look at, you know, where, and that's another thing off Google earth that I really like to use is picking my vantage points. You know, for me, I'm a spot and stock hunter and I, if I can see him, I can kill him. If, if I can't see him, I don't do much good. I don't do much good hiking around blind in, in country. And not to say that you can see everything from a good vantage point but you can just see so much and so many critters and so that's the way I hunt you know instead of hiking to a drainage that I think's good with full of deer I'm gonna hike to a vantage point where I can see the spots that I think is full of deer um so I'm always looking to get to the opposing feature the opposing side or you know to a to a um, oh, a small pinnacle or tit, you know, of, of land that'll, that'll show you a 360 degree view in a, in a drainage. And, and so I'm always looking for the best vantage points in country. And then, you know, it's, 
it's not for me it's not always about sitting on the best best vantage point all day sometimes it's a good ridge line where i can keep moving and keep working so you know i'll have a vantage point picked out and then i'll say you know if i don't see him here this is where i'm moving to next this is where i'm looking next this is you know so i i've always got a backup plan and i've always got a where i'm gonna hike to next and, and if that spot doesn't pan out i'm not afraid to hike all the way back to the truck and drive to another mountain range to another spot that i have circled and check out that spot but having these these plans and backup plans and almost knowing the unit by heart knowing the mountain ranges by heart and where all the roads go and trailheads you know you you start to get a real sense of, of what's going on in the unit and then you never feel lost in your own head these these hunts can be tough when you get there and if you don't see what you think you're going to see and you don't see the animals you know, and you and you don't have a backup plan. It's really easy to call it quits. But if, if you've always got a next place to go and a backup plan and a next place to hunt, you know, you don't have to be lost inside your own head or you don't have to be filled with self-doubt because you you've already done the research. Now all you got to do is is go put in your hard work, hike in there, and see what's in there. And it's really been the key to my success is just my my off-season map work and and my off-season scouting. Uh, like I say, when I find a unit I want to hunt, I, you know, I start looking at the mountain range and where I'll hunt in there. And, and, you know, you can, I also do a lot of research after I draw the tag, but it's like, if I'm applying for a tag, I want to kind of have an idea of where I'll be hunting in there and know that I've got some good theories and some good spots that I know I can check out and, and just kind of, I just start to get excited about putting in for the unit and excited about the tag. And so, you know, I start that research right now before I apply for the tag, I want to have an idea of where I'll look and where I'll scout. And, and and then, you know, once I draw the tag, then I can I can start scouting it, look a little bit closer, get excited about it again. Um, but that's kind of the way I like to look for units and look for new hunting spots. And and I mean, it doesn't matter if you're the, the best hunter in the world. If you don't if you're not good at finding new spots and you're not good at finding good areas, you know, you, you never kill a good buck or a good bull. You just you, you got to continually adapt and spots. Um, spots go in trends and sometimes they, they get worse at, at hunting and, and sometimes they get better. And I know, you know, I've had dynamite spots in the past where it's just like, things are never going to change. This is an awesome spot for forever. And pretty soon you get more pressure in there, or maybe you give the pressure in there or you get, um, uh, different weather patterns or different summers or, you know, droughts or whatever it is. And animals all of a sudden move out of those areas and they're in other areas in the mountain range and you have to be good at being able to find new areas and explore it's, and it's part of bow hunting that I really enjoy I there is nothing better to me than than walking out to a fresh drainage that I've never looked at or a fresh vantage point and just uh, my mind runs wild with possibilities you know am I gonna see the sticker buck today or a kicker buck or am I gonna am I gonna see that giant 380 bull and so I I love hunting new spots and even if it's an area I've been like I was saying before um, maybe maybe it's a spot that you've hunted for a few years and and you know you're gonna apply and go back into this new spot and those or go back into this old spot and and a lot of times we have so much to gain in those spots but it, it's about getting better at hunting those spots it's like maybe you found deer in this drainage or you killed one here but but what's to the next ridge to the south or where's the next ridge to the north or where's another drainage i can look off and so 
these spots where even where I've done good, where I know I'm going to apply again, like, like in Nevada, I know I'll go hunt this drainage that's been good to me. You know, it's not one drainage, it's about five of them over there. And I, I know I can hunt those, but, but then I start thinking, uh, okay, now where's my backup plan for there? Okay. I want to, I want to go check out this new spot. I want to get to this ridge and go look off the backside there. I've never seen that, you know, and I, I've seen good bucks on this edge. And, and so I'll look at that, but I, I just start to look at, uh, expanding my my hunting zones you know thinking that i can find even better spots or more opportunity and and same thing you know with elk spots elk spots you know this year where i killed my bull you know i never hunted in that spot and and the whole you know we we got rained out and the, the roads were muddy and so we had to hunt you know off this main road and and uh you know i had different theories and different things i'd come up with in the off season looking at my maps and different plans and new spots i wanted to check out and i had made a backup plan off this main road we ended up hunting all fresh spots i went back to one of my old spots one morning we didn't we saw like a small five and a small six in there i didn't go after and we got out of there but other than that the entire elk hunt i hunted all new spots even though you know i've been hunting in this area for you know six years or whatever i've been hunting in there um you know i didn't go to any of the old spots they were all new they were all fresh i love expanding my knowledge in a unit and the more you know the more dangerous you are and and same same thing with my muley hunts colorado you know i killed a 200 inch buck in there last time I was there two years ago um and sure I'm gonna look at that drainage again because it's full of mule deer and off off the backside where I've killed another buck off there I'll look at there but you know I've already got these new theories of where I want to walk and where I want to check out and just expand my knowledge to make that hunting spot even better and to give myself more opportunity and so you know along with these new spots your old spots you take another look at them you know do do your research now when it's winter time and it's dark at five o'clock and, and you know you don't just sit in front of the tv i know we got family time and responsibilities and and things of that nature and i don't mean it that way but what i do mean is you know spend that time give yourself an hour per night and be looking at new hunting spots or expand your old hunting spots or coming up with new theories and and taking notes write everything down in your folder or in a notebook you know so you have it so when it comes season you've got hours hours and hours of this compiled research you've done in this unit and and that's really what's going to give you a leg up and it's what's going to give you confidence in this unit and and uh i think it's so important and so that's what i'll be doing all winter long is just my research into different units and where i think will be good and just trying to find where that next trophy is going to come from but um so gosh dang it i uh, so i've been talking here for um dang near an hour i i wanted to do i had a couple other subjects i wanted to get to you know about this off season i i want to get into um you know my off season training my physical fitness and that which i take really serious which which really helps my my hunts and being successful and then also get into my my bow setup or not so much my bow setup but my bow shooting you know and and what i do winter long to build on that and to continually get better but um gosh i think if i get into those subjects now this will be my first two hour podcast so i better do this one in like a two-part series and so um what I'll do is I'll just try to release them about the same time. You know, I don't, 
I don't want to make anybody wait another uh, week to hear the the end of this podcast. And so I think what I'll do is I'll end this one now and then I'll I'll pick up where I left off and we'll do another podcast and do it all about physical fitness and shooting and and still tie it into this off season and what we should all be doing to to prepare for our hunts. Um, so, so yeah, that's the end of this, uh, elevated DIY podcast. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll pick up right where I left off till then keep working hard guys and shoot straight and, and, uh, talk to you soon.